must expect more from our party, it, the party. You know, but generally the, the Democratic Party doesn't get involved in races until after the primary. But, you know, we those are the kinds of things that we have to continue to help to educate our people to realize, but, but providing the information, giving that information, making sure that information is available. This week, I am Josh Moon. Uh, the person you hear laughing uh, graciously is David Person. It's honest, man. It gets to this point pretty much every session for, for those of us like me who follow this for a living, and I don't do it nearly as closely as I once did. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, how Brian Lyman uh, manages his life, I just don't know. Because at this point, I, I'm ready to stab people in the eyes. Uh, I mean, it is. It, it's uh, it's uh, watching grown people do shit that children would not do is and make rationalizations that even a small child would say, "Hey, that's that's not right. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense." Uh, for you know, six weeks is just so mind-numbing and awful. And and so, you know, I'm happy to see him go. And I, I can't, honestly, I cannot believe that they're still there. Uh, this is campaign year. Uh, you know, you've got elections coming up. While they're there, uh, they can't do, you know, the, the, the campaigning and the fundraising and all that. And so mm-hmm. they have to be just irritable to, to no end because they can't get out and, and you know, glad hand and, and take money from special interest groups. So, uh, hmm. you know, but lucky for us, they are still there and are still debating important topics like divisive concepts being taught in schools. Uh, that Foolishness, is, man. Uh, Foolishness. I, and I, I'm sure we'll talk with uh, Representative Laura Hall, who's supposed to join us at, uh, in just a few minutes uh, about this. But we record this thing on Thursdays. And, and if, right now, as we're doing this, they are debating this bill on the floor. And um, they're, I, I swear to God, this is true. Twice now, before we came on, I checked to see what the debate was like. Mm-hmm. And at least two Republican representatives have come up and noted that this bill does not mention critical race theory. Now, when it passes, which it ultimately probably will pass, the, uh, you know, and, and, and get out, they'll, they'll all go and run and tell their people that they ban CRT. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they're going to tell them. They're gonna, mm-hmm. we, we ban CRT being taught in schools. And um, what it actually does, uh, this bill, because I wrote a column about it for this week, is, is, is ban divisive concepts. Now, one of the divisive concepts that was removed was slavery. They were not going to let people teach about slavery, apparently, and, and with and, and and speak with as though one race was more responsible for slavery than another. All right, because that would that would do. just make them look like fools. Uh, it's just that that's what they were going to do. They were going to they were going to they wrote this down. Grown men wrote this down and put it in front of people to to look at, uh, and then were shocked to find that their black colleagues had a problem with it. Um, well, well, it just. It, and not just their black colleagues, but I think anybody that knows even an iota about history. I mean, what yeah. the heck? Yeah, it's just it's so, you know, and uh, so and then they, but 
It is dumb. So, but they took that out. They had an amendment to take that out. All right, we had to put an amendment on the bill to take that out of there. Right. Um, and so now, but now they've got divisive concepts saying that you you can't teach uh, teachers cannot teach children that one race is uh, you know is more oppressive or uh, you know, superior uh, than another. Uh, just based on the race, um, it, and there are other things kind of like that, race or gender. Uh, you know, that, that go they go down the list. They can't teach this. They can't have a class curriculum that teaches this. They can't have this or that. Uh, and it's all based on race or gender, or telling people that that one race is this. And, and you also can't tell kids that uh, because of their race, they're responsible for what their ancestors did. You can't make them feel as though they're responsible for for atrocities that occurred under their ancestors, and so, um, so foolish. It so is foolish. so foolish because no teacher is doing this. No teacher is doing it. It's not. It's not occurring. They are telling kids what actually happened in history, and this what they're deathly afraid of. Let me tell you what they're afraid of. They're afraid of Atlanta. That's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of the Atlanta suburbs because they saw what happened in Atlanta when you had a. a a big mix of black people and white people living together. And all of a sudden this massive shift happened there where you had these suburbs around Atlanta that were, man, they were hardcore Republican in some of those places, hardcore conservatives. And all of a sudden, as the demographics started to change, even though there were still a a large percentage of white people living in those suburbs, all of a sudden the voting pattern changed. And you couldn't rely on the racial bullshit anymore to win over those voters in the, in those districts. So you had to actually go and try. And God forbid any of them actually have to go and try. And so that's what they're deathly afraid of. They're, they don't want people to understand each other. They don't want people. They don't want little kids to grow up and think, well, there was a lot of crap that happened uh, back in slavery times. And then all the way forward until when my parents were living. Uh, you know, uh, and so maybe we should be better people and we shouldn't base all of our decisions on this racial nonsense. And if you have that, one party is in some serious trouble. Well, you know, I, I think there's there's a there's an ancient axiom. I don't know where its origins, uh, what, what its origins are, but it's an ancient axiom. It says basically divide and conquer. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's all we're seeing here. We're just seeing another variation of the divide and conquer, uh, 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 you know, concept. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like you're saying, you know, let's, 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 let's find legislation that picks at the fears, the insecurities of a group of people, you know, whether it's white people, whether it's straight people, whether it's religious people, let's do that. Because mm-hmm. then we can we can create enough division that we can begin to group people off, you know, in ways that are advantageous to us. That's all right. this is. That's it's all a, this is. It's yeah. a fear. It's it's fear. You have a you have people have a natural fear of things that are different uh, than they are that are that are unusual to them. Not not wrong, not you know, but they have a they have a fear of those things, and so it's easy to pl- to play upon those fears. It's easy to make white people fear non-white people because mm-hmm. they're not like them. You look at them and say, "Oh well, look, my eyes tell me you're not like me," you know, and so I if if you implant those seeds early, then you can make them fear 
as you go along through life. You can make people fear each other. And sure. when you fear each other and, and do that for so long, you can believe all sorts of nonsense about how uh, these people who we felt were such great workers that we got kidnapped them and brought them to our country to perform right. all the work that we didn't want to do right. are now lazy welfare queens. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, you know, you can believe dumb shit like that. You yeah. can believe that because of a color of someone's skin that they can't learn at the same level as you, you know, you can believe shit like that. Yeah, especially, you, especially when you spent over 200, well, really over 300 years mm -hmm. subjugating them so that they were deprived educational opportunities. Yes. So you bring them over here by force, like you said, and then you forbid them to learn to read or to mm -hmm. write at, or to count and calculate to the point of even threatening death mm -hmm. or, or, or bodily harm. And then you turn around and say, ah, oh, these people can't, they can't learn. They're not as smart as we are. They're not, yeah. It's right. all a big okie doke, man. This whole oh, racism is. BS is just a big okie doke. That's all. Of it is. course it is. Of course. And, and, and no, don't stop there, though, because while at some point we decided, well, okay, they can learn. They can learn. We still gave them the shitty textbooks and the shitty schools and the, or, or no schools at all. And they had to just, you know, go to the back of somebody's house uh, and, and try to learn things, uh, you know? And so we still did this uh, separate, but equal, which was really unequal. We knew uh, thing for up until your parents were alive, you know? And so it, we're, we're a generation removed. Really the only time that we have actually tested equal education in the country was that period uh, where we decided we were going to start busing uh, and we were going to have true integration for right. a period of time. Right. And it lasted for about 10 years uh, there before it started getting stripped away. And it's back probably to more segregation now than there, there might have been in some places than there were in the 50s and 60s. Uh, but for that period of time, the gains from students at the bottom were so significant that we've never seen anything like them. In the meantime, nobody at the top suffered. The, the top continued to stay there. We never lost any ground. Uh, we, as a matter of fact, we gained some ground uh, at the top, and you had more students qualify for that, and you, ha and you had a lift from minority students at the bottom because they were finally being treated uh, with some level of equality in the education. They were finally getting some of the same resources as white kids were getting. Uh, but, you know, uh, so this is what we, we're doing, though. This is what we're doing. We're, we, need to, we need to hold on to this. And what, what gets me, and I mentioned it in the column, is, is it's such bullshit. It's, it's this whole this whole thing, the CRT thing, yeah. is such nonsense. It started from one guy, one guy who uh, who noticed in Seattle some weird stuff in an employee tra government employee trainings that they were going through, and he thought that if he reported on that, that it would get the attention of a lot of conservatives, and that it might cause a little bit of a firestorm. And boy, was he right! He he, he did that. So then he started studying more because he didn't have a job. And his wife, who worked at Microsoft, was supporting him. And so he, he started then researching the history of these training programs and noticed in the footnotes that they kept quoting from a handful of authors that were uh, familiar with this concept called critical race theory. And man, did he think critical race theory. Matter of fact, he says in an interview with a New Yorker that he thought critical race theory would be something because most people think of the world as, a, as creative. 
not critical, in creative terms, not critical terms. And so he knew that this would touch a nerve with a lot of people. And went on Tucker Carlson's show, and guess who was watching Tucker that night? The Trump story. Uh, That hard-working former president that we used to have who tuned in. Yeah, to Fox 15 hours a day. Um, And he started mentioning it. The White House called him. And all of a sudden from that, that's the origin of critical race theory. That is the origin. Right. And I I think it's kind of hilarious because it it also depends, ironically, on a key misunderstanding of the context of the word critical. Yes, it does. You know, because, you know, when people hear that, they automatically, you know, most people, if they hear the word critical, they assume that something is criticizing them as yep. opposed to critical in the academic context, which means we're going to take an objective look that is analytical, not, you know, that would probably be the better word, really, that's analytical, meaning we're yeah. going to analyze this. We're going to delve into it. We're going to research it. We're going to synthesize it and come up with meanings and and nuances and 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 lay it all out and examine it. That's what that really means. But when people hear the word critical, it sets them up for a negative kind of uh blowback. So I, I think yes. that's that's fascinating. One other thing too, Josh, that I think is interesting about all of this and you know you you wrote a great column about this this week, I wrote a column about it. Uh, I think it was uh, last week or week before last. Uh, I think it was last week. Um, this this very this 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 in, it's very subjective. What is divisive, right? Yeah, you know. So you know what I consider divisive. You know, uh, Arthur Orr or some Republican may not consider divisive, and vice right. versa. What they don't consider divisive, I consider divisive right. in, in most cases. Right. So, so here we are now with one with with one entity, one faction uh, of of the of the political uh, of the political culture in our state deciding what is divisive. You know, my feeling is, hey, if you want to talk about what's divisive. Let's take a look at my list. I got a list of things that's divisive. You know, it's divisive yeah. that you that you communicate through policy and through legislation that, or at least have tried to, that, you know, uh, people of the same sex can't be in love with each other. That's divisive. You know, it's divisive that, you know, you take the position that, um, you know, uh, 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 that uh, or that you allow have allowed into classrooms the position that slavery was a good thing for black people. And that's exactly what the daughters of the Confederacy have historically done when they've come, come into Alabama classrooms at the invitation of school administrators. They've come in and taught that foolishness, that garbage, you know, yes. to children, you know, uh, that is divisive. You know, so if we're going to create a list, you know, let's add some things, some things like that to the list. Yeah, I no, I agree, and 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 you're right. It was a it was a really good column. I, I read the I read your column about it, and it was and that you know kind of gave me some ideas. It really really just irritated me to the point where I could not stand to not write something. <laughs> to the, uh, I mean, it was just. I mean, it, listen, it's so it's honest to God, man. It's so 
it's it's tiring. It's tiring to watch them pander in this way, in a way that the guy, I'm honest to God, you would have, if you watched a monkey try to do calculus, it would have not been any more embarrassing than watching Ed Oliver, the representative who, who's carrying this bill, try to explain what the hell divisive concepts mean mm. uh, in the classroom. He couldn't explain it. It's because he didn't write it. It came from Alec yeah. in Texas. It came out of this whole thing, uh, and they've distributed them around. They've had them in New Hampshire and Tennessee and Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Florida, Louisiana. All these places have had these, this, I mean, almost word for word the same bill. Almost word for word, and and so it's, it's this. But this is what they they do. I mean, it's it's. Honest to God, it's so stupid and so. But you know what's weird <laughs> is it's not the most. It's not the dumbest bill. It's not the dumbest bill. The dumbest bill right now mm-hmm. is Arthur Orr's bill mm-hmm. that he has. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Arthur Orr. Because he has a bill now, which he is trying, he's angling to let people take ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine because I'm sure he has stock in some company that produces those things. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm, I'm guessing if we start studying there somewhere along the lines, I, I mean, it, there seems to be a lot of interest in ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine among a certain group of people mm-hmm. uh, there and in people being able to sell it and take it. Uh, but in his effort to do that, he has a bill currently. <laughs> I swear to God, this is true. One portion of the bill would require doctors to give a patient any FDA-approved medicine mm. for the treatment of COVID, even if that medicine has not been assigned to treat COVID, has not been approved for the use to treat COVID. That means any medicine, any FDA-approved medicine, like Oxycontin or Xanax or Adderall or morphine Mm -hmm. or any medicine that they come in and say, I've heard that this would fix my COVID. And here's the greatest thing about it or the worst thing about it, I guess. You don't even have to have COVID. Mm. You just got to say, I think this will prevent my COVID. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, so a person could, a person could, could go to their doctor and say, I want to take an opiate mm-hmm. because I think it'll prevent COVID or it'll cure me of my COVID. And based on this law, the doctor would have to do it. They have to give it to you or he would risk losing his license. Well, yeah. And I need to say, and I need to correct myself. I said law, it's a bill. But uh-huh. but if this bill becomes law, then a doctor would right. have to do it. That is insane. Yo, it's, That's insane. It's, 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 it's the people write, but they wrote this down. Now, look, this is not going to pass. I mean, it landed eight days before the session is over. It's not going to pass. But it that you wrote this down and thought, well, here's a good idea. Let's do this. I mean, this is a person who's an attorney for a major company in this state. How the hell is Cooks okay with some of this nonsense that he does? Do you think that he really believes that this? Will help Alabamians, or is this just another? Uh, well, going back to our earlier conversation, just another contrived wedge issue, or an attempt to to create a wedge, another wedge, another COVID wedge, so that he can have something to campaign on. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's the latter. Okay. Uh, because I, I don't think that he believes that this is going to pass, and I think that he wants to put something out there. Uh, that gets attention for him, which I guess I'm giving him attention with with talking about it. Um, and, and I assume he believes that this would be popular with people who don't have brains. Uh, you know, I, I mean, because honest to God, who, who, what person with a functioning brain, even if you want ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, which God bless you, deworm yourself, okay? Uh, but I mean, even if you want those things, what would ever make you think that this is a good idea to send people in to to make decisions on medicine that doctor there's a reason why the doctor is the only one allowed to write prescriptions exactly there's a reason for that exactly. they went to medical school yeah. they did training for this yeah. they had to pass boards and they got to keep you know they got to keep up with continuing education courses they got they got to meet all sorts of standards yeah. and there's a, and, and there's an ethical there's an ethical response standard as well. I mean, so the doctors not only have this academic, all of this academic knowledge and, and, and experience, but they also are bound by a code of ethics. You know, Joe Blow walking in off the street, you know, is just not qualified ethically or academically to be trying to tell the doctor what the doctor has to give him. Right. Yeah. And it's just, you know, that, and that you know, we started this in this pandemic with it, with these people who believed their rights were being trampled on because doctors wouldn't give them this the, some drug that they heard on Fox News yeah. was you know and, and so well why can't I take it it's my right no it's not it's not your right to take anything you know we have medicines that doctors prescribe this is the process that we agreed on because you're too stupid. Okay, mm -hmm. and the reason I know you're too stupid to do this on your own is because you want a horse dewormer to take for the damn for the, man, for stop the COVID it. virus. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and you know what's going to happen, right? Somebody, if, if this if this becomes a law, and God, Lord in heaven, please, I hope it doesn't become a law. If it does, then what's going to happen is somebody's going to die. Yep. Or be permanently paralyzed because they've demanded something ridiculous and a doctor yep. was had no choice but to give it to them. And then the litigation will begin. Yeah. Somebody's yeah. going mean, to sue. Somebody's going and they're going to sue whoever they can. If they, I mean, does the, by the way, since you since you've done the reporting on this, does that bill protect does it protect the doctor from litigation? Uh, you know, that's a good question. I, I want to say that there is a portion in that bill that does protect doctors from giving off, uh, you know, the, the medicines that, um, that are, are not assigned to treat COVID to someone. I believe there is a legal portion in there that does that. So the doctors would, would be protected from, I mean, from, it would have to be a blanket sort of protection yeah. though, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a blanket basically saying if you prescribe somebody something uh, that is not specifically assigned to treat COVID, uh, not you know approved by the FDA to treat COVID, uh, that you cannot face litigation. Is this a COVID-specific bill? Uh, pretty much, yes. Oh, okay. See, I didn't realize yeah. it was COVID-specific. Okay. All yeah, right. but yeah, I mean, so but what I'm saying is, is even on this bill, it's COVID-specific. You don't have to have COVID. 
Right. To go in there and do this. You just got to say that I think I might get COVID and this medicine that I'm requesting would prevent mm. it. So, yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, it, it's, it's so dumb. And it's such a pandering. You know, this, that's, that's what I'm saying. Why, why are we wasting time with, with things like this? Mm. There's so many problems, real problems. And it's the reason why people hate politicians and, and hate legislators that do this nonsense. Just go in and, and do a job that helps some people. And this is not helping anybody, man. This is just nonsense. This is playing to a, a segment on Fox News or some other TV show, uh, out there, entertainment show. It's not news. It's entertainment. And it's, it's, playing to those people and playing off of fears. That's all it's doing. Well, and it's also, I mean, to me, because it has the potential to actually pass, it's also risking lives. It's playing Russian roulette with people's lives. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But when have they really ever cared about that after the person is out of the womb? And there you have it. All right. Let's uh, let's slide out of here, and we'll get uh, we'll get Laura Hall in and, and talk some more about the uh, nonsense that's happening in the house today. Uh, this is Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. I'm David Person with Alabama politics this week. You know, you listen to me and Josh every week. And we have a blast as we talk about Alabama politics and culture and as we interview newsmakers and journalists about Alabama politics and culture. Thanks for your support of this great podcast, and I hope that you will continue to not only listen, but to share it with your friends and also give us a rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to it. Thanks a lot. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon, David Person, and we are happy now to have with us uh, I, one of our favorite uh, our, you know, our favorite lawmakers, our favorite people, uh, Representative Laura Hall uh, is with us. And I, I, you know, it's I know y'all are right in the middle of a, a very important um, you know, life-changing debate uh, that will go to the benefit of all of Alabama school children uh, oh. because I know they are really threatened by uh, the encroachment of CRT on their lives. So we want to make sure we get you out of here as soon as possible so you can get back to that debate. Uh, but uh, we, we do appreciate you spending a, a few minutes with us. Well, you make my day saying I'm one of your favorites, and I certainly uh, do appreciate that. But this is a crazy time here in the legislature. But, you know, it's just part of it. But I'm not sure that we are helping our students with this bill for us. Uh, But uh, the speaker has indicated we're going to have plenty of time to discuss it and give our sides of the story. So but we know that this bill is going to pass the House and. we will continue to have these discussions. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned it's a it's a crazy time. Um and and it is and it has been for for a little while, but am I wrong to think that the crazy is kind of growing uh here that we we are running into more and more and more of these just off the wall um TV driven uh issues uh, that, 
Republicans keep coming up with, uh, I mean, and most of them are bills that are written by folks from outside the state and, and handed to them that they introduce. And and in this case, uh, the divisive concepts bill that we're talking about, uh, right. the guy who, who's carrying it, Ed Oliver, he couldn't even tell you what the bill did. Um, and so it, are we getting crazier or am I wrong? I think you're both, you're right. We are getting crazier in terms of individuals who will come with the bill and they cannot articulate what it really means or what it does. And to give you a response, they must read every word of the response they have to give you an answer. So we continue to hear the same thing over and over again. And I've decided since they've heard it so many times, they truly do believe this craziness. Mm. Well, that is, uh, that's, that's got to, that's got to scare you, doesn't it? Doesn't it have to scare you a little bit to hear your people that uh, that you're in there with uh, talk and spew this nonsense? It really does. And so what it what it helps me, it, it, it does frighten me. It does concern me, but it helps me to say, you know, we all must put forth every effort that we have as we are talking about relationships with individuals that do not think like uh, or think the same way that we do that we have to have those conversations now do we change them some of them we don't I uh, but I, I think that we must instead of uh, just throwing them out to the water which is what I'd like to do but the other <laughs> side of that is we've got to and and I think my colleagues on the floor are doing that bring them to the floor other reasons why this bill makes no sense. We've got to put the message out there. We've got to have people to believe that there are individuals that live in Alabama that are not thinking on the same line. And if that is indeed the case, we've got to work hard to make Alabama the Alabama that it can be. And that means that we're going to have to put our heads together, our thoughts together, and work to create it may be a small group, but create that opportunity for individuals to be able to feel and see, especially our young people. I'm counting on our young folks to help us with this. Well, you know, Laura, I, I, I love hearing you say that. And I, and I know, you know, because I know you so well, I know that you are uh, just a fountain of optimism. And, and I think that's good. I think you kind of have to be to do what you're doing, to be committed to the level uh, that you are. But but I have to say, I get the feeling that uh, people are, and, I, and when I say people, I mean, uh, I'm talking about, I guess I'm talking about Democrats primarily right now, that there's just a fatigue. There's a real fatigue related to this this era that we're in right now, where it just seems like every legislative cycle and every election cycle, we're dealing with, uh, you know, just Real crazy. I, I mean, that crazy in a way that transcends partisanship, you know, like like this very thing that's being debated right now, this craziness about CRT, you know, something that doesn't even, as we've already talked about, doesn't even exist in our state. How do you deal? Do, well, first of all, do you experience the fatigue that a lot of our the Democratic rank and file seem to be experiencing, at least in my opinion? And if so, how do you deal with it? Well, you know what? I try not to deal with. 
my cousins tell me I'm going to be the death of them because I don't want to deal with fatigue. Even, but I try not to. I, I really, and, and I do have that. Some days out, and like I told last week, I was speaking to the speaker. I've said, Mr. Speaker, you know, I wanted to beat you up the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I said, the only thing that saved you was two of your staff members said, I don't think you want to do that today. But anyway, I, so yes, I do get that fatigue. And it's easy, but you can't, I mean, and you could continue to feel that. I, that's too much weight to carry every day. So I have to believe that every day, somewhere, somehow, I'm going to see or make a difference. Uh, and it may be that difference is I was able to, to go to the mic and say, this is, I was able to put that out there and somebody will stop me on the way and say, tell me what you really meant. That says to me, somebody was listening. But on the, on, on, when we look from the democratic side, we have a lot of work to do and we can't do it by just talking. We have to put some action and folks are not seeing the kind of action that they believe we should be about. And so because of that, I think that creates that additional fatigue. You know, that's a very brave and excellent point, I think. And I'd like for you to elaborate on it. When you say we have a lot of work to do, are you talking about Democratic voters? Are you talking about Democratic elected officials? Or are you talking about the Democratic Party, uh, meaning the, the, the corporate structure of the party and its leaders? I think all of us, but but specifically the party and elected officials. If if we just take the the ads that you're seeing, every ad that you see that you see today relates to what poor Joe or the Democrats are doing. Have you seen an ad from the party or individual saying? This is what we are about. Now, I will say our caucus, we do a good job of that every week. We do that. But I'm saying, have you seen that from anybody else to say, okay. No. So people see that and they keep, and, and, and I get stopped in the stores about what are we doing? What are you going to do? I mean, get, we got to get rid of those people. Well, how do we get rid of those people? First, we got to let our people know that there are people out there fighting for them. And that's a challenge in itself. But also work to get all those individuals who chose not to go to the polls during the last election, get them motivated, hopefully in, in find ways to invigorate them to realize that, they, that we value them and get them to the polls. We have a lot of work to do. But but people do see or feel like we're just kind of sitting on our hands, letting folks just run over us. It, just a final uh, question, Laura, on that. And again, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here with us talking about this particular issue. I've had Democrats, Democratic voters say to me, I didn't realize that we had anybody running for governor or, or you know, in other words, running for the the nomination to to be the you know to to be the Democratic Party's representative for governor, and I've had to say to them, uh, yes, we've got several. Exactly. So that speaks to I think what you're talking about, doesn't it? It does. It does. And so that means that 
we must expect more from our party, it, the party. You know, but generally the, the Democratic Party doesn't get involved in races until after the primary. But, you know, we those are the kinds of things that we have to continue to help to educate our people to realize, but, but providing the information, giving that information, making sure that information is available. These are the candidates for the, and maybe that's something I hadn't thought about, it, but maybe I need to make sure that's on my Facebook page. That's a start. The candidates that are for running for governor and for the different office. But yes, we have a lot of work to do. And I take ownership just as anybody else as a part of the party, that it is much work that we need to get done and we need to get busy because otherwise we will be at the same place four years from now. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a, uh, an interesting thing because I, I was sit, just sitting there thinking as, as you were talking about that, you know, it would be nice to see uh, a well-produced ad from from the Democratic Party that talked about in broad, you know, in broad terms, uh, mm-hmm. even this is what we're this is what we're about. Here's here's you know here's what's been happening in this state over the because listen, there's a lot of bad. You know, you flash up some pictures of Mike Hubbard and some of these other guys who've gone to prison uh, and and the state of our schools being ranked 50th. And, uh, you know, this is what's happened over the last 10 years as Republicans have controlled the state. Um, and here's what we want to do. You know, a broad sense, uh, you know, that 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 sounds like an ad that would that might get some attention from some people. I think it would, but I think we've and, you know, so then I can't do all this talk without saying something to somebody. So. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> so, uh, but I agree with you. We've got, we have to, we've got to give those individuals who do not feel like some of my colleagues that are on the floor who are on the opposite side, we've got to give some hope. And the only way, one of those ways I think is, is doing exactly what you just demonstrated. So, yeah, hey, listen, it's, a, it's an ad. We would definitely love to run for a small fee, uh, but it's a, uh, I'm, I'm joking, but yeah, listen, but for real, I would love to have an ad out there that showed people we, we can't work in this one party state. All right? It's not going to work. You can't have one party dominate things. It never, ever works well for the average working person in this state when you have one party that dominates things. And so we've got to figure out a way to get back to this, uh, uh, having uh, two viable parties, two viable options uh, in this. And, and I, you know, I, I think the first step is to let people know that there are there is another party that would like to have your vote. I mean, you know, I agree. Yeah, so we're, we're busy working on that. Right. Well, listen, I, one other thing that I wanted to mention before we let you go and get back out there is uh, there's an event coming up, uh, the Persistence Pack Awards event uh, that's coming up. Uh, they're going to have the liberal redneck Trey Crowder. Senator Doug Jones is going to be there. Um, and they're going to be honoring uh, – hold on. There's some lady. Uh, <laughs> let me see. Some lady who did something. Uh, oh, Laura Hall. They're going to be honoring Laura Hall for your service. And and honestly, I, I was thinking as you were talking about some of these things, and, and David was saying things about what you've done, about the bravery that you have and speaking out about stuff and, and talking – that's why you're being honored is you've been doing this for a while and you've been banging your head against the wall like we all have uh, for a long, uh, you know, for a while. And you're, you're doing a good job. You've, you've made some holes in the wall. And, and I just wanted to ask your, your thoughts about this and about the event. A few holes in my head as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I, I am honored. I am. I'm a strong believer. I came from a family that has always said, uh, let your work speak for itself. And so I and that you shouldn't um, have to be rewarded for that. But I'm honored that uh, Persistent Pack has um, chosen to acknowledge me. And I'm hoping that this uh, recognition would just be another way to boost me to continue to continue to work harder and do much more. So I'm honored. Thank you. Well, you know, well, it's uh, much deserved. I know yeah. that. Yeah, that's right. I was going to say, as a board member of Persistence <laughs> Pack, uh, I'm very proud that we are honoring Laura. Very proud. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, she she has she has earned it uh, through through all the work, and I mean the people that that know her uh, know what she's done, and uh, and if you don't, then you should look it up and and find out. You would be lucky to have her uh, as your representative. I, I claim her, Absolutely. even though she's not my representative. And you know what? I just want her to be, and so I'm just going to pretend like she is. Um, and uh, you know, she's she's my favorite, so I'm gonna, I'm just going to claim her. Uh, and uh, you know, not that Anthony Daniels guy. We didn't do anything. Uh, so, yeah. Oh well, you can't talk about Anthony because. Then, you know, he tells you, in addition to all of the other things that he does, he does allow me to ride with him to Montgomery. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You better, you better not say anything. You, you lose your Uber. Oh, we can't, uh, we can't. That thank you. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Well, listen, uh, Representative Hall, I, we appreciate you coming on and spending some time, and for all the other work and all the other stuff you, you do. Congratulations on the award, and and really, honestly, thank you for all of it. Thank you. You all yes. have a good day. All right. Okay. Take care, care Laura. Yeah. All right. Thank As, you. Uh, Representative Laura Hall, man, she is uh, she is all that we've said. All oh, right. absolutely, I mean, man. Uh, she, she's and, and and the other thing is she's a she's a good person. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, mm -hmm. She is. If, if you've ever had a conversation with her, you know that when you're talking to her, she she wants to do the right things and she wants to see people people getting better. That's all she wants to do is to see people she gets better. And if you're sending people to uh, Montgomery who believe that and and work for that every day like she does, then we'd be a much better state. Unfortunately, uh, people like that are in the minority. Yeah. She is truly, truly a servant leader. And I see it as a member of the Rosa Parks Committee. I see it with other community things that Laura has gotten me involved in. And I tell you, she's one of those people, and I freely admit it. She's one. There's only a handful of people who I don't care what they ask me to do. It, as long as I'm physically able to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And that's Laura. She's she's on that short list for me. She could call me in the middle of the night and say, "Hey, we need to go do X, Y, Z," and I'd say, "Okay." Yeah. I'll, that's I'll, uh, I'll be there. Laura Hall, me, and K. Ivy. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how Kay got on the list. I, I I might keep you on. I'll put you in the put you in the under consideration category. Uh, that's you know, listen. Whenever you start writing columns about you know the good work that Kay Ivy did, that's that's when you know you, she got on the list. Is all I know. Uh, you know what though? And, uh, and all all kidding aside about our yep. governor, who with whom I I do have uh, many uh, have had many disagreements. Uh, mm -hmm. You know. Uh, whether she knew it or not, I will say this. I do respect her. I think yeah. that she's a very smart, savvy politician. Um, yeah. And I respect that. I respect the fact that as a woman, 
she has been able to navigate that party in particular. Yep. That's not like navigating the Democratic Party. No, it's, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I know that women, there's a good old boy network in both. There's paternalism yep. in both because men are going to be men. But to do it in that party, yeah. man, I give her major props for that. Oh no! Listen, and uh, you know, and I know some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff that that goes on there, and I know that uh, sweet grandmotherly Kay Ivy uh, that people love to think about and call her Mima and all this stuff. Right. Um, she's put some people in their place over there. Okay, uh, she's pulled the rug out from underneath some folks, and uh, and they have they have lived to regret it. And she has told them. I'll tell you one man. I, there's a story. And maybe somebody can find it around about her uh, running into Linda Blanchard at an event. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. it did not go. <laughs> it did not go well. Did uh, she pull out a can of whoop well, ass. It was uh, there was a there was there was just a one sentence cut off your knees uh, sort Ooh. of thing, and that was a wrap. Uh, but yeah, it's you know. So listen, she she has that. That streak. She also can be a humorous lady. Uh, yeah, and like David, I, I don't agree with her on, on on a lot of things. I thought she handled uh, the pandemic about as well as a Republican governor could handle it, and especially in this state where idiocy was running wild. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've had my uh, disagreements over a lot of things. Have voiced those. Um, and and but I will say this too, uh, as I said about uh, or well I haven't actually said it yet as far as y'all know, but I will say it about Will Hitchworth. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sometimes we record these segments out of order, uh, but uh, yeah, it's listen. I, why, why, why would we hide that from people? You know, I mean, hey, just, it is know, what it is. Yeah, yeah. We we try to work around people's schedules. Sometimes we record them out of order. And by the way, David and I have jobs too. Yeah. Which <laughs> speaking of which. Uh, number three for the podcast, right? The Find yeah. the Speaker podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. How about yeah, that yeah. shit? Number three on Audible. That yeah, is, number three on nonfiction, yeah. 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 Hell yeah, that is awesome, man. That in is fact, really awesome. In fact, to give you a sense of how, uh, what an amazing feat that is, guess who's number four? Who? Will Smith. Ah, get on out of here, Willie. That, I uh, mean, right. Will Smith, huh. man. When I saw that, I was like, "Wow!" Yeah, our podcast is above Will Smith's. That's amazing. Well, yeah. you know, that's what he gets for getting in that one little fight. You know, <laughs> and so got to go out to Bel Air. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, uh, so yeah, we record. I'll say this first: she is another person that will also talk to you about things, um, mm. and. Uh, there. Uh, I mean, I'll say this: she has actually called at times and thanked me for uh, for writing something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, so uh, it's uh, and that is to be clear, that's something that used to happen a lot with older school politicians. Mm-hmm. They would call up you if you wrote something that they agreed with. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, matter of fact, Greg Albritton did this just the other day. Right? Sent me a nice email about you know how he agreed with something I had written, uh, or they'll send you one and say, "Hey, listen, I don't agree with that. I'd like to talk to you about it." Uh, you know, or some something along the. It used to be something that they did all the time instead of just running around saying fake news and you know fake media, enemy of the people, and that kind of thing. And um, and you're exactly right. I can testify to that also. Uh, in fact, I want to say Richard Shelby 
did that with me one time when I was at the Huntsville Times. And I'll tell you somebody else who's done it, somebody who I've been a harsh critic of through the years. And that's Jeannie Robinson, uh, Huntsville huh. City Councilwoman. I've yeah. been, I've been, I've excoriated her at times. But yeah. I will say that she has reached out and has wanted to have discussions. And, you know, that's, uh, you got to respect people who are willing to, who are willing to face their critics and try to make their case or just get a better understanding. You got to respect yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I, uh, Todd strange, the uh, former mayor of Montgomery, uh, used to call and say, what is this shit? <laughs> I, you know, I mean, just, you know, what is this shit? <laughs> no, you know, just along those lines, you know, and yeah. it was, you know, we would have a conversation and, and, you know, listen, there are a lot of times when you have conversations with people as a reporter where, you know, you know, and they know that you're never going to report what they're saying and you have a conversation and they right. tell you a backstory in there. And then, uh, you know, well, I'd like to, I would like to report some of this if we can. And, you know, and in some cases you can, some cases you can. And, um, you know, and it's just, you know, but that's a relationship that you have, you know, and I had it with, with cops and with mayors and with, uh, you know, city council members and, uh, with, with legislators at all levels. And, uh, you know, and, and you just, you know, you, when you have conversations, you understand more. That's why I get so frustrated a lot of times with the way that they behave, because I know that they know that this is not, you know, and a lot of times the reason I know that they know that it's bullshit is because they told me they know that it's bullshit. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to have to vote for this stinking pile of shit, you know, and it's right, just, right. Uh, I mean, I, right. literally, that is a quote, okay? That, I'm going to have it. to vote for this stinking pile of shit right here. I believe uh, because yeah. I, otherwise I might lose. And, mm. uh, you know, it's, a mm. uh, it's, it's a, it's a problem and, you know, and, um, uh, but yeah, I, I just wish that we would be a little smarter about, about some people. And, and listen, there are a lot of people now, too many, in fact, that aren't like that at all. They won't mm. talk to you. They don't have the conversations. And in a lot of cases it's because they're not, they're not there for the right reasons and they know it. So, yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, Appreciate Laura Hall coming on. And, Absolutely. Uh, let's slide out of here and we'll wrap this thing up, which we've already done. Little do you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, back in a minute for you on Alabama Politics this week. <laughs> Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics This Week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about, uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or you know, whatever, whatever your question may be. Uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections? Uh, shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com. apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama politics this week. Moon, David Person. Um, uh, you, before we move ahead, let me do my you know, semi-weekly uh, housekeeping thing here where I give out the email address of apwproducer uh, at gmail.com. Uh, you can get us on that anytime you'd like and, uh, you know, have 
all your questions answered. Uh, or if you have a question about, you know, just about topics or a suggestion about anybody you'd like to hear interviewed or topics covered, yeah, shoot us an email. Um, you know, in addition to that, you know, leave us a rate and a review if you don't mind. Uh, you know, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Uh, you know, be funny. Have fun. You know, it helps out. Um, all right. Let's move ahead here. Um, uh, you know, I, I know one thing um, real quick. Uh, just cover this real quick. Uh, gambling, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, the, where the gambling bills are. I, I, you know, haven't covered this for a long time. I think we're in that we're in a, a scenario here where I don't know if they're going to make it to the floor uh, because I believe that the people that are pushing these things are going to probably work out a deal for a special session uh, in which gambling will be addressed sometime after the primary, uh, maybe you know this summer, June, July, somewhere around in that time frame, and uh, they would come back in, uh, do a do a quick you know week long session on gambling, uh, get this uh, thing probably passed out because I, I do think these bills have the votes to pass. Uh, I think you have right now some people who are very uninterested uh, in gambling coming to the forefront uh, of this legislative session because it would keep them there assuredly until the very end of this session. Uh, and they don't want to do that. They want to go home and campaign and run, you know, and do that, the, the, the fundraising and all that. Uh, they don't, so they do not want to be doing this. So I would, I think that's probably what's going to happen. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but it was interesting to me that gambling had, has not moved so far this week because I felt like it probably would, uh, if they were going to try to make a real push for it, uh, by the end of the session. And so, um, you know, so special session when again? I would think it would come probably in in mid June is when I would think it would. Come okay, after probably. the primaries. Yeah, okay. after the, after the primaries. The primaries are on the twenty fourth of May, so I would I would assume that it would probably come some sometime in that time frame, assuming there's not you know a runoff in the governor's race, which I don't suspect that there will be, just judging by Ivy's poll numbers at this point. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all those Tim James ads in the world, uh, him creeping around door frames and whatnot, are not uh, not going to uh, <laughs> not going to change that. I don't think. I mean, he can keep talking about yoga, but I don't think it's moving the needle. Uh, it doesn't. But, yeah, you know, and it's funny to me because it seems like he hasn't figured out by now. I mean, this is his, isn't this his third run at the governor's office? I believe it is. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, none of them have been very successful. Uh, he's gotten a oh. lot of attention for saying really off the wall things, uh, yeah. but that, that doesn't seem to translate very well in, at the polls. Unlike, you know, say like a Roy Moore, um, he, he doesn't, uh, it's, it almost seems like uh, Tim James is problem is he's too off the wall for even Alabama, uh, you know, conservatives, which is Mm -hmm. really saying something. Um, Mm -hmm. I I mean, it's, he's so over the top with a lot of it that I don't, I don't know that he's necessarily believable to a lot of people. Uh, You know, it it almost seems like a role he's playing in in some instances. And, And I think that that turns off a lot of people. And I would add to what you're saying, the fact that, he only seems to surface every four years to run for governor. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't have him much. And he's just you know out of sight, and, out of mind for four years, and, and then right here he is. And, There's Tim again. And then and then so when he it to me it's like okay, you know here's Tim James again, you yeah. know son of uh, former governor Fob James, 
And so, why, you know, he, he hasn't run for any other elected office. He's just, it's almost as though he feels like he's entitled to run for governor yeah. because father was governor. Yeah. Well, who buys that? I know it just it doesn't and and not a particularly, you know, well-liked governor either. You know, I mean, Bob James, I think a lot of people were OK with Bob James being there. But then, man, there was some crazy shit that happened in that Bob James governor's mansion. I mean, you know, they had the whole story about taking down the the yeah. paintings at the at the mansion because his wife, uh, Tim James' mother, felt like they were possessed in some way mm. and they were watching her. And, uh, you know, they had the whole deal over evolution in which he uh, did the demonstration of walking like a monkey. And yeah. it just, I mean... You know, there was like I said, there was some weird shit that went down. And you know, listen, I I gotta tell you, the only reason that the man was in there was because his main challenger was caught taking a family vacation on Milton McGregor's airplane. <laughs> and so, uh, I mean, you know, that yeah, uh, uh, you know, it just is. It, it's but, hi. But <sighs> now, my and of course, I'm you know, since I've since I came in 1981 to this state and really wasn't didn't begin to become politically engaged until after I graduated from college um, and politically aware, uh, I should say, until after I graduated from college. I did not. I mean, there's some things I may have missed, but I thought that he was um, I thought that he was pretty popular back in the in the in the mid to late. Yeah, he was, was OK. He I mean, but I don't think he wouldn't have won without. You know, without the uh, the issues with, uh, and I'm trying, I'm drawing a blank on the, the guy. I, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank because he's very well known, um, uh, and there. But I, I'll have to look it up. But it, it's a uh, he wouldn't have won. He was he was he was going to get trounced, um, and then that whole thing happened and created a scandal, and uh, he just kind of slid into the uh, into that into that role. Uh, but I mean, it's uh, you know, regardless, you're right. I mean, there's there's no foundation for Tim James to be your governor. There's none. Right. And, you know, he's just a dude who showed up. I mean, I mean, I guess you could say the same thing about Robert Bentley. You know, he was just a dude who showed up, uh, Doctor Doctor Bentley. And uh, yeah, know. but at least in his case, and and I would argue in just about anybody else's case who has just shown up, you know, uh, there wasn't this this backdrop of entitlement. I think. Yeah. With, with Tim James, the specific problem is, you know, not only is he not a particularly sharp candidate, uh-huh. you know, and you can tell that, you know, the campaign commercials aren't the real test. The real test is when you have to speak in front of an audience live, you know, and 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 you have to deliver that way. And it just, he doesn't do a very good job of that. But I think it's really the sense of entitlement. I, I have a feeling people resent the fact that, he just shows up every four years to try to get his daddy's job. I mean, <laughs> that's really what it looks like. Yeah, uh, Jim Folsom. Jim Folsom is who he was running against. Yes, yeah, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was, a, and he's another one. I, even though he's a Democrat, honestly, he was another one who I think, uh, even though he did have a record of service beyond that, but I think I think there's a certain level of of, of at least wariness among Alabamians when it appears as though, you know, somebody's doing something because they think they deserve it, not because they've earned it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, man, honestly, uh, you're right. You're hundred percent right about, about Tim James. And, and, and I think that, that uh, you're the, 
that is a feeling of a lot of people, even if they can't articulate it the way you have, is that here's this dude who's just showing up, you know, you know, he just keeps showing up. They expected me to vote for him for governor. Uh, but that history is is one of the one of the better histories of the state. Matter of fact, it's, it's probably worthy of like a TV show um, because. Do you know the story of why Fob James, why they were so sure Fob James was going to be governor? Because he was basically K. Ivy at that point. Um, I don't. I don't think I know that story. So, so uh, Guy Hunt uh, was brought up on ethics charges, uh, which were allegedly, according to Guy Hunt, oh, uh, completely fabricated by this group of people that met at this small Italian restaurant in downtown. Not even really downtown, or really kind of off the downtown path, um, but near the interstate now of uh, in Montgomery, uh, including Milton McGregor. And I can't remember, they called it the Italian something or other. Uh, the Italian, some, there was some reference to the Italian restaurant and the, and the scheme that, that basically got him uh, tossed out, uh, you know, arrested, indicted, and tossed out. Um, and well, this was the this was over the the preaching the plains and the preaching deal. Yeah, the right? plains and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so Bob James was the lieutenant governor, and then mm-hmm. Guy Hunt got ousted. Bob James slid into that seat, and he was a very popular guy uh, because um, uh, almost immediately he sold the plane uh, mm-hmm. and was hey I'm selling the plane. Well, then he got caught on the trip to the Cayman Islands with his family on Bill McGregor's airplane <laughs> and people were like, whoa, oh. wait a minute. You can't oh. do both. And so that's what undercut him uh, to, to being governor. I mean, he was uh, literally, he was going to cakewalk into this thing. He was, he was more popular than Kay Ivey was uh, because of all he'd done. He was, he was basically Luther Strange. I don't know if you recall how popular Luther Strange was in the aftermath of the Hubbard stuff uh, there after he had run that indictment. That dude was going, I, I, I bet you he would have gotten, if he had just stayed in office as, as attorney general, I bet you he would have gotten 80% of the vote in that primary. Uh, yeah, I remember that he was popular. Yeah, he was if popular. he would have just done that, but he did that whole charade with Bentley and yep. backing out and doing yep. all, and it yep. just ruined him. It ruined yep. him with everybody. I mean, that, he could have gone ahead and picked out the drapes for that office, and he would have been there forever. Uh, but we ended up with Tuberville. So, uh, you know, and, you know, Luther was shady. Even Trump as, as couldn't save him, right? No, Trump couldn't save him. Either. Endorsed him, endorsed Roy Moore, lost them both. Uh, about to lose Mo Brooks as well. Who I don't know if you noticed uh, this I week. Know. They uh, he he told uh, Trump told the uh, the Washington Examiner that uh, he is uh, having second thoughts on this whole endorsement of Mo Brooks because disillusioned. He thinks, yeah, he thinks Mo. Yeah, I think was the word I saw. Has has Mo changed? Trump actually said, "Has Mo changed?" I don't know. It's something we got to ask. Has Mo changed? <laughs> Man, I know, I know one thing. I know Mo. Mo has got to be. This this is a tough morning to be Mo Brooks. No, yeah, it is. Yeah, he was already expressed shock. Brooks, man. Yeah, he was shocked. He was so shocked by this. He didn't understand. He shocked. Even though people have been reporting it now for months that that Trump's had a problem with him, and he really had a problem with the comments that Mo made at that Coleman rally uh, about moving on from the twenty twenty election. Which, how ironic would it be? That the greatest advice Mo Brooks has ever given people 
would be the advice that basically undercuts him. Uh, you know, the only time he's ever spoken truth to anybody and, and tried to be reasonable, it, it cost, it's going to end up costing him uh, his, his job because he can't go back now. He can't go back to the uh, to the house. He's done. Yeah, uh, he's he's going to. Yeah, we're going to have uh, Dale Strong or. Better hang uh, on to that. Better hang, now he can take that campaign money and do whatever he wants with it, right? I Does he have any? I, I mean, he's he getting a lot of. He's not getting a lot of cash over there. Uh, well, he's, no, he's not. He's struggling. He's not. But I last I'd seen, I thought he had a, over a million in his war chest. So probably. I mean, he'd probably spend it on something stupid. But uh, you know, a replica wall or something uh, that he just <laughs> builds around his own place. Well, he's got uh, a pension. I, he'll he'll have a pension coming. He'll yeah, he got nice dropped from the lawsuit pension. though. He got dropped from the lawsuit, so that helps. Yeah. Him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Know, so. Which I still don't understand, and I know we didn't we didn't talk about that. We ran out of time last time. I don't yeah. understand that at all. I don't understand how he got dropped from that lawsuit. I really I don't. don't. I don't either. Uh, you know, legal. I have to go back and read through some of the legalese on that, but I, uh, I'm I'm not real sure either. I don't know how you hold some of these other people accountable, but not Mo for what he said. Um, you know, other than, you know, I, I think it's easy to believe. It's really easy because I in some cases I believe it that Mo is just clueless enough that sometimes he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, you know, and, and I understand he's a Duke grad with an economics degree, but you listen to him talk and it's pretty clear that he doesn't either. either he didn't never knew or forgot what the hell he was taught at Duke. <laughs> um, I mean, some of his definitions of socialism are just off the wall. Um, and I mean, it's just, you know, so I, yeah. I, I don't, uh, but you listen to him talk sometimes, and and he is uh, honestly, genuinely perplexed by pretty simple concepts on a number of cases, uh, or a number of instances. And so, I mean, I think it's pretty easy to believe that sometimes he stands up and says things, and 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 does not realize the impact of what's coming out of his mouth. And uh, I, so. I've I've known him a, a long time, interviewed him face to face. Uh, once, and I think over the phone once, uh, been in in meetings with him. I mean, you know, I would say that he's not what I would call an intellectual, <laughs> even though he likes to talk about having that that degree from Duke in economics. Yeah. You know, I, I I would say that's not him. He's not an intellectual, and and I would also say that I've. Of the republic of the conservative Republican politicians from this state that I've interviewed, I don't think he's even in the top five in terms of being sharp. I mean, no. I would there there are a few people I would name in front of him: Bill Pryor, Bob Riley, um, uh, somebody just slipped out of my head. Um, oh, of course, Richard Shelby. Yeah. You know, uh, I would even argue. And it and it almost pains me to say this, but I would even argue that Jeff Sessions is probably oh, sad. I thought you were going to say Tommy Tuberville. I was, was going to say hey, no, Tommy's no. right up at the top, obviously. No. Uh, but it's. <laughs> I think Jeff Sessions is a savvier, savvier guy than 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 Mo is. 
Oh, there's no doubt about that. Jeff Sessions was great. I mean, look at all those people he fooled into believing he wasn't a racist. I mean, it's you know he, he did great at that. He was he was great at playing the role. He knew what he could get away with. He knew how to how to finagle things. He knew how to couch phrases in just the right way to slip through some of the uh, some of the stuff that just really hateful things that he wanted to do. Uh, I mean, he was great at it. He was really really great. At it. Uh, you look at where Jeff Sessions started and what he did as AG in this state. And I mean, just some there was some blatant racist shit that he did as AG in this state, all right? Some blatantly racist shit. I mean, his fight against equal school funding, mm-hmm. well, you just re- go back and read some of the quotes It's it, it and put them in today's light. They are shockingly racist, okay? I mean, just, uh, you, oh, God bless. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was he was good at, at working with the times and, and being able to, you know, slowly build. And I think, you know, people were really surprised at his true nature that were that was brought out by Trump, by Trumpism, uh, you know, and, and his love of Trump and how he would get on stage and say things uh, there that. Uh, that were really, I think, shocking to a lot of his colleagues, uh, and genuinely so. I've talked to some of them uh, mm-hmm. in the Senate, uh, and they were they were genuinely surprised by by some of his behaviors and some of his words, uh, and some of the things he went along with in the, during the Trump years. And uh, it's you know, yeah, no, I, I, you're 100 percent right about in top five. I would put him in the top twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, really, and that's not. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not even I'm not trying to be callous with that. It's it's just he's not. I mean, and I'm talking about Republicans now. There are a lot of Republicans yeah. that I have conversations with who we disagree fundamentally on things, but who I still think are smart people. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. And, and are caring people. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of these people couch con- their conservatism and are, are, you know, uh, determine it or define it in uh, in terms of economics. Mm-hmm. And 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 then they they separate out the social issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've, I've always argued with them that you can't do that. You can't have the cake and eat it, too. You can't say we're going to we're going to cut this all the way across the board uh, for these things. Uh, and part of the things you're cutting are the social problems that you're also saying that you're for over mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that that's something that you can do. Uh, so but, you know, that's. That's just me. But yeah, you're right. hundred percent. There are a lot of people who are very, very smart and who, who I love having conversations with about things yeah. uh, and who I'm friends with. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk on the phone all the time. People would be surprised at the number of phone calls I receive from the Capitol mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and the, uh, uh, the state house, uh, from offices in which the, the names are followed by a dash and an R. Mm. Uh, so, you know, and, and those are mostly friendly conversations. Uh, so, 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 so before we, before we get out of here, uh, real quickly, uh, would you say your boy, Will Ainsworth is sharper than Mo? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, Will I, likes to play. I, I, I Will likes you. to play to, to being an idiot, but Will is not a dumb guy. Uh, I agree. Uh, with you. Uh, he, he is, if you have a conversation, well, I, let me tell you what I like about Will. Mm-hmm. This is what I like about Will. It's all, and it's the only time I'm going to compliment him on here. What I like <laughs> about Will is if you have, if you have a disagreement with Will, uh-huh. he'll call you up and he'll say, okay, let's talk about this. And, nice. and you have a conversation, and nice. and uh, we don't we don't ever agree on things, mm-hmm. but at the end of it, we're always laughing about something you know sports related or some some nonsense, and and that's that's the kind of person Will is. He's not going to agree with you just to make you feel happy, um, mm-hmm. and, and and for you to be his friend, but at least he'll call and have the conversation with you 
So mm. you can you can move on from that. So uh, all right, uh, right wing note of the week before we get out of here. Right all right. You know, listen, I like this segment because it was just me and you having a conversation, and I, yeah. I, I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, who is our right wing nut? Who are we going to say? Uh, I think oh, the, said, oh, Tommy Haynes. Tommy Haynes, yes. our boy with the school counseling bill. That's yes. uh, that they're yes, attacking yes, yes. school counselors. What? Don't understand that. Don't understand that. So he's trying to restrict what school counselors can say to students. And that, by the way, is supposed to be, those are supposed to be confidential settings, right? Yes. So what in the world is he trying to, why is he trying to insert the legislature and Alabama law into that? Well, I mean, once once you've breached the doctor patient, uh, you know, uh, relationship, what what's to stop you from going all the way to well, counselors and everybody I else? You know, right. I mean, yeah. it's yeah. just it, when are the public school teachers and public school employees going to get together and yes. stop this nonsense? Yes. You are the greatest, biggest voting block in this state. Act like it. Mm-hmm. Act like it. Look what they did in Kentucky. They've got a Democrat as a governor because the Republican was going to take their pensions and cut into them. All right. Mm. That one issue united them and they got a Democrat voted into that office and the whole state has changed and the life has changed for them. And that's all you need to do. You do it one time and feel the power and that'll be it. People will stop attacking public schools if you'll just do it. I love it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, as, as we like to say in some parts of the state, let's get her done. <laughs> Yeehaw. All right. Let's, uh, let's get out of here. Uh, until All next right. week, y'all be safe. Peace. Peace.